You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back here, folks, on Big Blue Views Audio Network. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum. And today, we are providing you with some insight on some latest buzz coming out of New York Giants training camp, as well as some other headlines that we are going to be watching throughout the entirety of training camp. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, leave us a five-star review if you enjoy tuning into the show, and also head to BigBlueView.com to stay up to date on everything you need to know about the New York Giants. So Chris, we've already got some interesting headlines that are surfacing that aren't just things we're curious about. And and we've got first one, which is gonna be something that seemingly is gonna be happening throughout the entirety of camp, throughout the entirety of the season. That is Kadarius Toney being moved off of the COVID list. And then now we have Blake Martinez being moved on. And this is just simply the way that I see it is, is going to be a consistent precaution just to make sure that things don't spread around for any of the unvaccinated players. I, I'm not sure what the percentage is of vaccinated and unvaccinated guys on the team, but I would assume that it's probably a pretty small amount that are unvaccinated. Again, this is just trying to keep things safe and healthy within the the, uh, the locker room so there is not any spread or just passing around the you know, the, the virus itself without actually getting any symptoms. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a, uh, at least a ballpark number on the percentage of the Giants roster that's vaccinated pretty soon. Uh, it came out today that about 90% of the Jets roster is vaccinated. Uh, we also heard, I believe it was yesterday, Ron Rivera complaining that not enough of his players had gotten their vaccines yet which for him is a very valid complaint considering he's you know a cancer survivor and immunocompromised but yeah this is i think just going to be a a news story we see you know different names but again and again uh because even if you do have the vaccine you can test positive and you know we we just want these players to be as safe as possible. We don't want to see any kind of uh, outbreaks happen in the locker room, you know, especially with the NFL's new rules where if a team has an outbreak and they have to have a game canceled, a game that can't be rescheduled, then they forfeit that and they suffer all of the penalties involved, uh, draft position, win-loss that could, you know, 
potentially knock a team out of the playoffs. And you know, we just don't want to see anything like that. So it's good that Kadarius Tony is off the list. Uh, he's he had some trouble getting on the field over the course of the offseason. The Giants really need him on the field for training camp, just because you know he is a rookie with really one-year experience at wide receiver. He needs as, as many on-field reps as he can get. Uh, Blake Martinez going on the COVID list, not great, but the good news is, is there's some time yet before they have to play a game. And this isn't how you want to do it, but at least the Giants get to get some look at their inside linebacker depth. You know, if you're looking for a bright side, hopefully uh, Martinez will be fine and off the list soon. Yeah, and I remember seeing that Tate Crowder is probably going to get a lot of reps in this period of time. So not having Martinez, it stinks to see. Hopefully he's back out there quick. It seems like Tony was back out on the practice field, and or not back on the practice field, but available and off the list pretty quickly after being placed on it. So I, I doubt Martinez will be on it for long. Positive, as you said, you get out of that. Tate Crowder is going to be getting some more opportunities to learn, and we're, we're hoping that he's a guy who potentially steps into a bigger role this upcoming season and progresses uh, from year one to year two. This is probably the bigger headline, Chris, but the one that popped up pretty quickly today as we're recording this on Wednesday, Kelvin Benjamin, the former Panthers receiver, converted to tight end, listed uh, and repped as a receiver slash tight end with the Giants during spring practices. Uh, he was signed during the offseason after being listed as a guy who was going to try and make that transition to tight end. He is no longer going to be with the Giants. He's expected to be cut after uh, a situation in which he went up and spoke to Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge, and then he was asked to walk off the field. So it seems like they made that decision uh, pretty quickly. They don't really see him fitting within this roster. There's been some pretty big roster churn with some recognizable names. Recall Armstead, and here we are now with Kelvin Benjamin, who is back on the street after such a short stint and attempt at playing the tight end position. Not super surprising for us as we we kind of we kind of led into when we spoke on this the, the few times that we did in saying it's highly unlikely that something actually comes of this. It would be nice if he turns into a tight end and can actually contribute, but more likely than not, he will not stick around. Yeah, the the situation is kind of a weird one. That basically he was seen having a discussion with Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman on the field, then was then walked off the field, was asked to walk off the field, and now apparently he is expected to be cut. You know, like you said, we don't have any details about the conversation, uh, what prompted it, what, you know, what is really going on behind the scenes here. Uh, we, I wouldn't be surprised if we do get some details throughout the day. Uh, you know, the, there are some insiders who have, who are well connected and if they learn anything, I'm sure it'll be on Twitter soon. In fact, it might even be out before this episode drops, this is kind of a weird situation. It isn't surprising that Benjamin will not be a New York Giant when the when the regular season rolls around. But it is surprising that he didn't even finish his first practice before that 
that came to pass. I think we were kind of expecting him to at least make a real go at the transition to tight end and maybe be let go after the third preseason game during final cutdowns. Not making it through his first practice, something big had to have happened. Yeah, that, that's possible. And I, I think that the other thing, too, is it's, it was probably pretty clear that they weren't going to, to get much out of him. I almost wonder if if they're in the works of adding somebody else and they just didn't have room for him. But, uh, you know, overall, I think the, the, the window for Kelvin Benjamin to, to flash what he was capable of was going to be very, very short if there wasn't at least some positives and some, some positive light coming from what he was able to do. It doesn't surprise me that they weren't going to pull the plug pretty quickly. This is something that I think that we all pretty much anticipated. Maybe not this quickly, but Kelvin Benjamin gone, possibly adding somebody else uh, in his replacement is the reason why. Speaking of replacements, there is uh, an indication from owner John Mara, who has said when speaking uh, in a media interview, that Dave Gettleman, general manager Dave Gettleman, is not on the hot seat. The specific quote after saying no to that is, listen, listen, I was frustrated the first couple of years, the way the seasons ended, but the combination of Dave and Joe has produced very good personnel decisions, but in free agency, be it in free agency and the draft. It's a very good combination. We've made a lot of changes to our football operations staff, added some talented new people. I just feel like we're moving in the right direction. I think there's a certain amount of confidence and a certain buzz in the building that maybe we haven't had for a while. The combination of Dave and Joe is just the right mix for us. So uh, a pretty positive endorsement. As we know, no job is safe regardless of a positive endorsement from your owner. But it sounds like going into this season, when it seems like every year we've talked about, are they on the hot seat? Is Dave Gettleman on the hot seat? This is at least somewhat of a positive sign for Gettleman as he is continually trying to buy himself some time here with the New York Giants. Uh, I'll say this is the sort of thing you want to hear your boss say in public. Uh, I think this is the sort of thing Giants fans want to hear the team owner say in public. But realistically, my my kind of hot take on this was, uh, okay, yeah, sure, right, John. Uh, Everybody is on the hot seat. Every year, yeah, it was in 2016 that John Mara said, I believe in Jerry Reese. He built two Super Bowl rosters. I believe in him. He is the right guy to right this ship. Then the Giants went out 111 games. They swept the Dallas Cowboys, who were that year the best team in the NFC East. The Giants had a dominant defense, and there were, there was, I think, by the time the season ended, they had that early exit to the Packers, but you know they had a lot of injuries on their defense. That you know by the end of that year, Jason Pierre-Paul was out. I believe he had a sports hernia. Uh, Dominique Rogers Cromartie had gotten hurt mid-game. They, they just exhausted their depth, and they just couldn't keep up with the Packers in the second half of that game. But the Giants had faith in Jerry Reese. He had proven them correct. And excitement was high going into 2017. Jerry Reese was fired in the middle of that season. Well, in the last quarter of that season. Right after an 11-win season, they fired the general manager who built two Super Bowl-winning teams. 
everybody is on the hot seat every year. If the wheels come off this year, you know, nobody wants to see it happen. But if they do, if Daniel Jones doesn't take the step the Giants need him to, it will not be Dave Gettleman who picks their next quarterback. Uh, if Leonard Williams is getting paid $20 million and has a one-sack season, yeah, that will reflect badly on Dave Gettleman, and his seat will get warm quick. So uh, the reality is, is that in the NFL, it is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. And John Mara, he is probably honest in feeling excitement for the coming season and believing he has a good combination with Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge. But it is... July going into August. Let's see just how comfortable that seat is in November going into December or January. Hopefully things work out and that seat will remain very comfortable and Gettleman will be able to leave the team on his own terms when he is ready. But let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, and I, I see this as an endorsement more so from what Gettleman has done in terms of showing positive signs of progression. So through the draft, a lot of these recent draft picks have been quality starters for the team. There haven't really been a ton of guys who have been like, oh my God, why did they draft him? Daniel Jones is probably the most notable that I can think of where we're still not 100% sure, and that is specific to the fact that he's a quarterback and he's coming into year three, you're not going to have a, a, a full understanding of what that guy is capable of after just two seasons and one and a half as a starter, or I guess you know, two seasons as a starter with a few games that he didn't start his, his first and second year. But besides the point, I, I think it's him saying like they've made the right moves in free agency. They've made the right moves in the NFL draft. Gettleman has built this roster up. It has taken longer than I think we expected, and the timeline was a lot different than what we thought because he sold it as this was a win-now team and we can re rebuild while we're trying to win. Instead, it's just been a rebuild, and now they're expected to actually be highly competitive this year. That, to me, is why he's giving this positive endorsement, is that they are in a position to compete at a high level, possibly push themselves in the top two of the NFC East if things go according to plan. But as you said, Chris... If they struggle this season, that's when things start to, you know, we actually reevaluate. I don't think that the, the, the tune will be the same for Gettleman, especially if some of these free agents don't pan out the way that we're hoping or some of these early draft picks and second-year players don't pan out the way that we're expecting. It's all based on how Mara feels right now, and that feeling can change immediately. And this isn't just us being, this isn't us being negative. This isn't us saying, Oh, they're, they're, Dave Gettleman's still going to get fired. That's not what we're saying. We're just trying to indicate that anything can change. But right now, everything appears to be very positive, especially for John Mara. Yeah, th that's just the reality of the NFL. Nobody's job is safe. Your job is safe as long as you are doing it well. And that's really all there is to it. Yeah, it, teams generally don't cut players who are playing well. If their performance drops or their performance ju doesn't justify their contract, they're either going to get cut or traded. Uh, teams don't get rid of head coaches who are winning. You know, if the coach loses the locker room, loses too many games, that coach is gone. And same thing with the general manager. So we've got a couple other headlines that we want to hit on here for today that 
things that we're going to be watching now that practices are starting to ramp up. Before we get to them, though, we're just going to take a really quick break for some ads. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Chris, I think that we have to discuss, and it's something that we've we've hinted at and we've brought up, but we have to discuss the importance of the offensive line during training camp. Over these practices and over these preseason games is going to determine who is the full starting lineup. We've got a sense of who's going to be playing center in Nick Gates. We've got a sense of who's playing left tackle. I don't foresee a situation where it's not Andrew Thomas in year two. But I would argue those remaining three spots aren't necessarily up for grabs, but there could be some competition. And you can also line up these guys in a multitude of different ways based on the level of comfort by the offensive line coach. Like, that's what it's going to come down to. It seems like right now Hernandez is going to be playing right guard, but the offensive line, which has been graded by a number of outlets as one of the worst in the NFL, which is very disappointing considering the amount of assets that they've placed into some young players at this position group, they need to figure out a, a strong way to set this group up for success in 2021. Yeah, and I think it's really more just questions. And you know, like you said, it, it's disappointing considering how much the Giants have sunk into this offensive line over the last three years that there are still questions. Every year, it seems like they make a signing or they make a pick that's going to solidify the offensive line is finally fixed. And they have just stayed on that hamster wheel. Uh, speaking to the media yesterday as we record, uh, I believe Tuesday, as you listen to this, Hernandez basically confirmed that he's going to be the right guard. He also said that he dropped 20 pounds, uh, changing the way he eats. He's been working out with Duke Manuweather, who you know, he is kind of a friend of Big Blue View. Folks who know him, he is a brilliant offensive line coach. He's phenomenal at just dissecting offensive linemen, offensive line tape, identifying problems, and then fixing them. So that to me is really positive for Hernandez. He doesn't have a whole lot of recent experience on right guard, but if anyone can coach him to move over there, it'll be Duke Manuweather. And also him losing 20 pounds, I think, is kind of quietly big. Yeah. For a long time, the Giants have consistently asked their players to be bigger. And, you know, whether it was Hakeem Nix, Ruben Randall, uh, Jason Pierre Paul, yeah, 
we kind of see again and again that the Giants asked the guys to get bigger, and it really never worked out. So maybe having him be lighter, more athletic, a better body composition, that could assi- that could assist him to a make the move the transition more smooth, but also give him more mobility as a blocker, which. That's one thing Shane Lemieux doesn't really have. He is, he has a very small range as a blocker. If they can have Hernandez be that pulling guard, a guy who can, you know, maybe allow Nick Gates to shade over to that left guard spot and Hernandez can cover more ground as a pass protector, that will help out the guys on both sides of him. Now, the, how the, the line winds up shaking out. I think it winds up being the way we anticipate with Andrew Thomas at left tackle, Shane Lemieux at left guard, Nick Gates at center, Hernandez at right guard, and then Matt Peart at right tackle. Of course, Matt Peart has to get on the field and get over that back injury, which we talked about on our last show. Yeah, there's a lot that comes into play here, and you mentioned the back injury. That's that's something, too, that is going to impact how quickly we get Peart back on the field. Do they take their time? Is this a they're just going to go with him as the right tackle and say, we're, we're going to let you work your way back in slowly. Or is this a competition that he's losing because he is not on the field? For me, I think the what I'm going to be the most locked in on is how do they actually find a way to get Nate Solder onto the field if they do at all? I feel as though with the time and the money they've invested in him and the fact that he's still a serviceable starter, that they would try to work him in somewhere. I also wonder if... Is he too tall to maybe play guard? I, I mean, at six foot seven, that might be a little bit too big to plug in their guard. And I don't even know if his traits really translate. But I, I don't, I don't know if that's better suited than trying to plug him at right tackle, where you'd rather have Matt Parrott on the field, learning and progressing and getting better. I, I would almost rather have Parrott out there learning and growing than just shoving Nate Solder in there, who's towards the end of his career. But I'm curious your thoughts on this, Chris. Do you think that maybe you know we're we're at this point that we, you know that Solder can find a way into the lineup, or is it just going to be he's going to be the sixth man? Maybe they trade him if somebody's interested. I, I think ideally he is that sixth man, the maybe a swing tackle, a backup guy, uh, an elder statesman in the locker room, that sort of thing. But if Matt Peart can't get on the field, if his back injury lingers you know i i remember uh brandon mosley which is a a name giants fans probably haven't heard in a while he was having a great training camp i believe it was back in 2016 somewhere around there Uh, great training camp great preseason he looked like he had the right guard spot locked down up until he had a back injury going into the fourth preseason game john jerry got the start, and he never really gave the job up. And Mosley more or less disappeared from the Giants roster. If something kind of similar happens, which we certainly hope it doesn't with Matt Peart, I think that could be a situation where we do see Andrew Thomas over on the right side. He does have some relatively recent experience as a right tackle. I believe his rookie season at Georgia, he was their starting right tackle, which that is a lot more recent. And I think he works there 
better than Nate Solder because you know Nate Solder is a career left tackle. I don't see him inside at all. I think he is just way too bit, way too tall, way too long to be a guard. I mean, not only would he struggle in the leverage battles, he's tall enough. He would probably interfere with the passing lanes over the middle. So I could see the Giants, if they had to, this is kind of a break glass in case of emergency scenario, lining Solder up at left tackle, moving Andrew Thomas over to right tackle. That's not ideal, certainly not if you want Matt Peart to be your long-term answer at right tackle. But you know, it, this could be a situation where you just do what you have to to be able to field your best offensive lineup and you figure the rest out later, you know, maybe next year, maybe over the bye week and going into the second half of the season. But if you have games you have to win, then you just kind of do what you gotta. Yeah, that that's where I'm kind of coming from, as you talked about. Physically, he's probably not going to plug in well inside. And I know there's definitely listeners out there that maybe don't understand how projecting guys to play certain positions works. And you can't just necessarily take a tackle and ask him to play inside. It's not as simple as that. I would be shocked if they tried to find a way for him to do that. But he's best off competing and putting a you know lighting a fire under the ass of Matt Parrott um, more so than plugging in somewhere on the starting lineup. And regardless, that offensive line is going to be the most talked about group, I think, in my opinion, or at least it should be, because the way that they play in 2021 is going to be a true determiner of how successful this offense is. Things could be firing on all all cylinders with these new receivers and Saquon back, but if the offensive line starts to crumble and those lanes don't open up, you can't really produce a lot of success if your offensive line isn't playing well. It doesn't matter how good the guys around you are. And and speaking of how good some of these guys are around the offensive line, and just regardless on this team, the other headline that I'm I'm super locked in on, Chris, is just overall how the new big name free agents are gonna mesh with this roster during camp? Do we actually get to see what their roles are going to be like? Do we think that the offense and the defense are going to be different with Kenny Galladay and Adoree Jackson? I'm going to be really keen on ways that they are implemented within this group, how quickly they are thrown into uh, major roles, and again, how things schematically might change with different play styles that we've seen from guys at receiver and corner. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get a complete answer, certainly not right away. I think we'll start to get more of an answer, maybe the general shape of an answer once the pads go on, because, you know, right now, as we record the, I, I don't, I think the Giants are just in their helmets, you know, basically running around shorts and a t-shirt, running routes against air, that sort of thing. You know, once shells go on, once they can have full pads on, they line up, have 11 on 11 practices, it starts to really look like football. I think that's when we'll start to get our real answers. Now, as far as the schemes go, I think we might see something kind of in that, maybe the first half of the second preseason game and maybe the first quarter of the third, I I'll be honest. I have no idea how the, what the rhythm of the preseason is going to be like with just three games. Uh, I kind of like the way they had it before where you first game is just purely vanilla start to work in a little bit of scheming in the second game, third game's the dress rehearsal. And then fourth game basically let the guys at the back end of the roster 
play their asses off to try to earn a spot. But you know, this year, you know, we'll see how that all develops. We might not get a real look at how the passing offense and the defense, particularly the coverage schemes, are going to really look like this year until we see it in week one. You know, because you know, right now, the team not showing their hand is an advantage. Like they have they obviously have to install all of these concepts, get the general scheme ironed out so guys can execute, you know, quickly and well, you know, when it's live. But they also don't want to put too much on tape when it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. And they'll probably not do a ton of that during the preseason games. Instead, we'll probably see some hints of it during training camp practices when they need to work on various things. And they'll spend more time doing the really intricate deep stuff during meetings when the, the, me- the media is obviously not around and some of the practices where the media is not allowed to be in participation and uh, you know viewing those practices. But the way that I'm also looking at it, maybe on like a, a simplified sense, is where does Kenny Galladay line up? Where do they ask him to play? I know that might seem obvious, but maybe they have some creative ideas and options for him and maybe they put him in some different scenarios than he was with the uh, Detroit Lions. I'm really curious to see how Jason Garrett tries to get him and work him into the offense. Is he a guy that they're going to prioritize getting targets to, or is he just an added head that, hey, if he's open, he's open? And then I think the opposite of that with Dory Jackson, who is probably going to be covering Kenny Galladay on, on some reps during practice. It'll be fun to watch those one-on-ones. But where do they specifically line up Adoree Jackson? I, I think that it seems like he's going to be that, that outside CB2, but they could get creative. We know Patrick Graham loves to play around with guys. He might see something that they weren't using him for in Tennessee. They might try to ask him to do something different and unique because we know he is a fantastic athlete. So pay attention to that as well. Adoree Jackson definitely capable of, of wearing some different hats than what he was doing with the Titans. Yeah, and I think some of the things that could give us clues are how they work in maybe like the individual settings. You know, if we start to see Kenny Galladay running downfield more, maybe that is a clue that the Giants are want to run that more vertical offense we've been talking about pretty much all offseason. You know, will Adore Jackson be working against slot receivers more? You know, he did play well in the slot in Tennessee. Uh, could could we see him maybe in press man coverage more and maybe look at some of how some of the other players guys like uh, Logan Ryan or Xavier McKinney you know will they be in more single high looks you know maybe the Giants could be transitioning or trying to install more of a uh, a cover one aggressive man defense you know it, little things like that I think are going to give us our best clue before we see the scheme you know fully on game day last thing i just want to toss in here chris Uh-oh. something that we're going I'm off curi- script now folks <laughs> no no we're, uh, this is still on script with with a dory jackson oh. i think that one thing too and uh, you know if anyone wants to laugh at me for bringing this up or thinks it's crazy for bringing this up i think with the dory jackson i also want to know if maybe they ask him to return some kicks during camp uh, if they ask him to do that because if you remember he did it in college he's done it sometimes with the titans not a lot but we sold julius peppers or not Julius Peppers, Jabril Peppers. I don't know why I said Julius Peppers. Jabril Peppers returned kicks last year. They ask anybody re- to return kicks. So maybe they say, hey, Adori, you want to return some kicks? He seems like a guy that likes doing that stuff. Uh, he even had some some reps as a receiver at USC early on in his career. So 
he might be a guy that says, Coach, I, I, if Drabil gets to return kicks, why can't I return kicks? So that, that's kind of like a fun fold to throw in there that it, they might just work him in for, you know, just for the hell of it to see what he can do. You know, I, I wouldn't bet against Julius Peppers returning kicks at some point. I, I know I sure as hell wouldn't want to try to tackle him. But you know, as far as Dory Jackson, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, we talk again and again and again, just you know, how important special teams are to the Giants. They've got three special teams coordinators on their coaching staff. Joe Judge, they've got you know, basically two guys running their special teams unit and McLuhan and Tom Quinn. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if we see Jabril Peppers, if we see Adoree Jackson, if we see Kadarius Tony back there uh, fielding punts, returning kicks. And you know, I think the more options they have it, as athletes, that just it's that much better, which I know Giants fans are flashing back to Jason Seahorn and wincing and just saying, please, God, no. You know, just send somebody I don't know back there. But if you can get dynamic athletes to return, that is a weapon. And that is something each of these guys have has done a fair amount of. And they have been good at it. So, you know, why not at least try? Yeah, might as well give him a shot. And, and for some context, the, he ran a 4-4-2. So we know this, uh, uh, you know, this dude's fast. He's going to move. He, he can get downfield very, very, very quickly. So uh, pay attention to that. That might be a, a really underrated thing that nobody's even considered. Don't be surprised. It's always a possibility with this special teams oriented roster. Folks, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review if you enjoy listening. At Joe DeLeon, at RaptorMKII, and at BigBlueView on your social media platforms. We'll talk to you soon, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week.